Hey, this is Chris and Jan Woodruff, and you are listening to the Hindsight Podcast, where we sit down with people and we take a look back at what we can learn from a very specific season in their life. Hey, everyone. It's August, and we are back in school. We are. Too soon. Yeah, too soon. soon. It feels like summer's gone, but we still have so much summer left because August is summer. Right. There's still so much activity. The pool's still open. Beautiful nights that you want to be hanging out, cooking out, sitting by the fire pit. Yeah. But there may be folks out there like me. There is one thing that I love right now is we are back to some consistency yeah, we in our schedules, some order. Order. And I've missed that. I do love the uh, the chaos that comes with summer, but I am glad that we have some consistency back in the schedule. Yeah, I think so. the kids are excited. They wanted to see their friends. and Yeah. But that's not why we're here. We're not. We are really excited to be kicking off a new episode. If you were able to listen to our college series, Bridget Walton was one of our guests who was from the University of Georgia. We are having the opportunity to sit with her parents, Krista and Randy Walton, and we had the pleasure of having their two older girls as babysitters when our kids were younger. And so we got to see firsthand what a great family they are, super fun family, but also super intentional with how they've raised their kids, the things that they decided to do, whether it be through schooling or what have you, that really made us want to learn more about them you know, behind the scenes. Yeah. As we really just got to know their oldest two, we really just thought, man, we need to sit with Randy and Krista intentionally. We would hang out with them at different times and see them at different times. And it was like, we need to actually sit with them and just ask them a bunch of questions because we saw the fruit of just some really great parenting. And they will tell you, and you're going to hear it in there, that they're not perfect. And so I'm not, I'm not trying to put them on a pedestal that they're just amazing and awesome and always do it right. But they definitely did some things mm-hmm. and we saw saw that in their girls and just how they led our kids and spent time with us, with the family. And, and, uh, and so we just knew we wanted to sit down with them. And they're super transparent. So obviously they'll unpack like what we did totally wrong. And probably the kids would even say they did the same, but where they course corrected or even just that's what builds trust in a family is when you make mistakes and you have to go a different direction. Yeah. I have a feeling we'll probably say this with every new interview that we do, but I just, this one was one of my favorites. Um, Part of it has to do with the fact that we were sitting down with them on a Friday night uh, at their dining room table, drinking a glass of wine and eating some wonderful cheese. Um, (laughs) And so it was a really fun night as well. Uh, But there's just a really super fun couple. And so you guys are going to hear that as we get started with Randy and Krista. So we're sitting down for our first episode with Randy and Krista Walton. Super excited to be here with you guys sitting at the table. This is how we want to do it uh, at the dining room table and and hanging out in their home. So thanks for inviting us in and letting us ask you guys a few questions. The first question I want to ask you guys or Jan and I want to ask you guys is uh, really just giving everybody that's listening just a little snapshot of who you guys are. We talked a little bit about it in the intro, but hearing from you, tell us about who you are, what's your family dynamic, tell us about the girls, and just kind of where you are today. Wow. Well, who I am, that's a long discussion. <laughs> um, I'm a retired homeschool mother. I teach full-time at a homeschool academy called Veritas, 7th and 8th grade, middle schoolers. Love it. So I'm a consultant and entrepreneur and social entrepreneur involved in a lot of um, community work, uh, both in Atlanta and around the country and some other places. And 
you know, I'm the survivor of raising three daughters, which I think... Uh, <laughs> a is, whole house full of is, estrogen. <laughs> yeah. We actually, our nickname for our house is the estrogen warehouse. I remember so that. We, uh-huh. That's just where we, we, you know, we store a lot of it. So, um, so yeah, we're, we're kind of in a great season of life. It's really fun to be in that place where uh, I think you see a lot of the fruits of your labor and you see your kids uh, learning to stand on their own two feet. Mm-hmm. and to uh, be able to kind of celebrate their independence. Hmm. So how long have you guys been married? Normally, you know, normally the stereotype would be that I would not know. But to be honest, I know we're our 28th anniversary is coming up in May. So, <laughs> awesome. So 28 years. Well done, Randy. College, college sweethearts. And, uh, you know, it's 28 years, and it feels like it's only been like 40. Yeah. No, <laughs> it's, uh, it's 28 years, it seems like yesterday. It's been good. Yeah. It feels like 40. That's even better. It means it's been 40 amazing 40, years and not right. just 28. Exactly. Right? Let's go with that. Yeah, let's yeah. go with that. <laughs> yeah. Tell us about the girls. All right. So um, our first is Brooke, and she's 24, and she is married to a fantastic young man. We just love him so much. His name is Hunter Dant, and they've been married for almost two years now. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, she's a graphic designer at a private school here in town. Mm-hmm. And... Hunter's a salesman and a very good one. <laughs> That's great. So he's killing it. And then uh, Brittany is our second daughter, and she's 21. And she, man, her husband also is just phenomenal. Yeah, we know. So we know, and you, we right. alluded to this in the intro, but we know the Waltons and their girls and and their husbands. Well, I think we definitely know one out of two. One out of two. I think we've met the other at some point, but keeping up with them, such great. Yeah. Great guys, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. and we had the blessing of these girls being two out of three were nannies and babysitters mm-hmm. for our kids. So yeah. we've gotten to Which see is them. A blessing for us. Yeah, it's part of raising your kids is to let them go. You know, be babysitters and nannies because right. they learn a lot. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So we were just talking that. today, honest, because we our kids knew that we were coming here, and our daughter Rena was like, Brittany was one of our favorite. Oh babysitters because she said, mom, she was so fun because she would actually play with us. Mm-hmm. She didn't just spend time just looking on her phone. She would take us fun places and we'd get ice cream and she'd bring a rollerblade. So she'd jump on the trampoline. I with know. Them. We yeah. loved her. Yeah. We that's loved her girls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So Brittany married her childhood sweetheart. Mm-hmm. Oh, cute. I know. And, um, so his name is Ben Lakin and they both, um, have a love for missions. And so they live in Asia, mm-hmm. and they've been there almost two years. Mm-hmm. I can't believe it's been two. It's going on. Wow. Two. I know. Yeah. It's really, yeah. Um, so they're expected to come back because they're pregnant. Yep. So Randy and I are going to be grandparents. Congratulations. So we're super It's a whole other podcast. So yeah, we'll hold right. can't wait to right. I don't even know what that looks like. <laughs> we're going to come back. We're going to come back that'll and talk to you about that. Give us a yes. time on that. So we'll let you know. And then our last one is Sweet Bridget. She is 18 and finishing up her freshman year at Georgia. She did great there. She loves it and um, has really come into herself. Yeah, yeah. At Georgia, yeah. But they're—I mean, they're—it's fun because they're—they're they're all you know, like any family, they're all very independent personalities. Your oldest is uh, she's serious and very focused and very mm-hmm. goal driven and you know very activated, kind of like on point with things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, our middle daughter is passionate and she's purpose driven and 
she she leaves with her heart uh, a lot of times, and that creates its own <coughs> tensions with right. teenagers because you're dealing with that, and you don't want to stifle you don't want to stifle it. You want to shape it and encourage it, mm-hmm. but get it in the right direction because it can be destructive, so to speak, if it's if it's not um, uh, used appropriately. And and our and our youngest is you know she's just all sweetness, and uh, you know when she was a kid, we called her the fun. <laughs> and so we go to a friend's house and we say, you're bringing the fun because she's always kind of a light that, that lights up everything. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, you know, all of them with their very distinct personalities, but that's very separate things that you deal with as a parent that right. you have to, you have to adapt to satisfy sort of each of their unique, uh, wirings and, and sort of orientations. Yeah. So give us an idea of what it was like creating the foundation of your girls you know, to take us down that road a little bit of preschool, elementary school, and just a short little snippet, and then we're going to move forward, fast forward into like middle school. But give us some highlights about some things that you guys feel like you did, or maybe wish you would have done differently in that foundational time. Well, I think one of the things that we always cared a lot about was it's it's easy to get really fixated on at that stage and age of life, you know, academics and you've right. got to be focused on learning and things like that. And maybe to be so fixated on uh, academics in the sense of grades and performance. And I think we were a lot more oriented towards the idea of like, where are their hearts? Mm-hmm. Like, are they, are they developing a passion for learning? Do they have a desire to learn? Do they, do they get up every day uh, interested and engaged and connected with the idea of growing and developing as an individual? And I think that was probably more important for us that they just had a passion for it. So we wanted it to be fun. We wanted learning to be fun. We wanted every day to feel like sort of an adventure to understand the world around them and these kinds of things. And uh, as a result of that, there was a commitment to homeschool very early on. And Mm -hmm. uh, to be honest, that was really Krista carried the burden of that Completely, uh, I was I was facilities and logistics. You know, I just, <laughs> we have a home to meet in, um, and and she really carried the burden. But as a teacher, she had a passion and desire to do that. And 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 what came with that also was there's going to be a ton of influences that are going to come into your kids' lives, and you have to ask yourself, you know, you can't stop every influence that's going to come into their lives. So what do you want to be the primary voice? What do you want to be the voice that they hear on a regular basis that helps them define their view of the world? And I think that that mom in particular, being that primary influence that spends the majority of time with them, gave an opportunity for her to help shape the way they viewed the world mm-hmm. and the way they treated each other and the way they considered their own sort of position and identity um, through that. So I think that was probably one of the it was one of the best decisions that we made uh, was to homeschool, but it certainly wasn't a decision that didn't come with its own costs and complexities. Yeah, and yeah. challenges. Sure. Let's talk about that for a minute because there's probably some folks listening that are either homeschooling or they're thinking about homeschooling. And walk us through, like, what's the process? Is it something that you just committed to and said, all right, we're doing this no matter what? Did you reevaluate every year, every three years? Because Brooke ended up not homeschooling in high school, Correct. Right? right? Right. And so walk us just real quick, even on just what was that discussion or that discussion between you guys like and just the thought process of making that decision? That's a very fair question. Um, leading up to homeschooling, like I don't even know why we even thought of it because I grew up in an educator's home. Um, it definitely wasn't anything that was on my grid. And a family asked us when our kids were super young, 
Like, I think we only had Brooke. Right. And I just quit work. And they said, would you homeschool our kids for us? And I said, absolutely not. <laughs> because I believe that only a trained educator could right. educate their kids. That's ridiculous. Are you a teacher by trade? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And so I was like, no, we're not homeschooling your kids, and you shouldn't homeschool your kids. <laughs> and then they asked me if I would read a certain book that they were reading and give them my opinion. And I read the book, and my, I was, my eyes were open. As a trained educator, it was answering some questions that I, I was seeing, not even socially, academically, mm-hmm. with kids, especially boys, because they mature later, so true. who yeah. were kept being pushed on the next level when they didn't have the reading level down. And as a fourth grade teacher, I definitely saw that in boys. And I'm not, I'm not going to go down that train, but that's what got us into, I read that book. Okay. And I'm like, Randy, there's something academically right about this book. Right. And then we began to get into socially. So we prayed over it. We interviewed multiple families who had high schoolers that they were homeschooling to see what does that trajectory look like. And one of the questions we asked them outside of their parents, we got the parents' permission to interview their kids. And I, I said, this was my concern, this tells you how ignorant I was, how in the world do you spend all day with your mom? <laughs> like, that sounds horrible. So true, especially older. Right? Yeah. Because, no, I love my mom, but as a high schooler, I didn't want to spend my whole day with my mom. Right. And so I asked her that, and she was, the answer she gave us sealed it for me, it did. She said, I finally am at this place where I don't want to lie to my mom anymore. Because she was lying, I think it was about makeup. Okay. And she wasn't allowed to wear makeup. And she would put makeup on on the bus. Gotcha. And then take the makeup off off the bus. Interesting. And she said, finally, I don't have to keep things from my mom anymore. Wow. Wow. Okay. So we did more research, and we never homeschooled that family, which was a good call. (laughs) Um, But that's how we got in. But each year, you definitely have to reevaluate because things happen. And each like kid is different, too. Another child comes to the yeah. family. Right. And you're now homeschooling two kids and a, an infant? Right. Well, that's kind of hard. Well, yeah. But, I mean, it, it, I think when you describe it, it sounds a little bit more neat and tidy than it actually was. You were, you were much more open. I thought, you know, you've lost your mind. We're not <laughs> homeschooling. Those are crazy people who do right. that sort of thing. <laughs> I didn't want to be in the fringes of society, and I didn't want to be the weirdo who didn't do what other people do. And, be in the school system, which was part of my experience. I think it was taking my grid about what I did and right. applying it to my kids' experience yep. and thinking, well, they're going to be cheated out of these things that I had, not understanding that they will have different experiences, right. which will just as rich for them. Yeah. And um, I was very uncomfortable with the idea, but I think what won me over in the end was the idea that let's take it year by year. Let's treat it child by child based on their unique needs, circumstance, constitution, uh, intellectual aptitude, emotional constitution. Um, You know, where are they as they mature and develop? And and, and for each one on their own, rather than treating it as this monolithic decision that says, like, this is just our family and this is how we do things, just to say, well, this this is this child and that's what is best for her right now. And, um, and homeschool was a, a, an extraordinarily good decision for us. And I don't think that if you were to, if you were to sit down and talk to our children, and I would encourage you to do that and actually to ask them, I think they would tell you that they all 
cherished the experience and valued it and mm-hmm. don't feel that they that anything out or anything stolen right? from them in terms yeah. of other experiences at all. I think yeah. quite the opposite fact. I think they'd say they're really, really happy with the way that progressed for them. And what it what it resulted in for them as they got into their teenage years, that um, moving into teenage years and then into adulthood, those were positive experiences and they feel good about what that what that provided for them. So. Yes. I think that what happens Listen, homeschooling is not the answer. I'm not saying, you know. Well, it's certainly not the answer for Public school hopefully would have had the same outcome. Yeah. But when you spend that much time as a family together, you get to know your, my intentions. Mm -hmm. I was not the perfect mother. And my kids will tell you, I did struggle with anger quite Mm -hmm. a bit. And, um, but it gave us time to reconcile. Like it was never, mom's angry in the morning, run out the door and go to school. Right. It gave us time yeah. for mom to be angry. Yeah. Right? Three kids. They had to live through it. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> that's not a justification, but I'm, I'm just saying there were moments when I was frustrated. Yeah. Sure. And it gave us time to reconcile and not spend five hours, six hours away from each other in that anger. Mm-hmm. And so we, we quickly resolved issues that come up. And so they knew our hearts and we knew their hearts. Um, it, we became a very strong unit of working. How, how does the Walton family work? Mm-hmm. You know, there are chores to be done. There are things that we do to support dad, things that they do support me, whatever. Um, reading was a huge thing for us as a family. We would sit by the fire and Randy would read to them in an English accent <laughs> every night. And if you ask the kids now, what is your most fond memory? It is reading by the fire their British father. Yeah, they didn't know they had a British father. Hopefully, people aren't aware of that, but it's. Um, it could be yeah. anything. That's he could, right. He would yeah. break well, into another just make it fun. In another day, but we would spend. Well, it was just the idea was how do you make? All right, we're, we're big believers that that reading is is really essential to to development and. How do we make it exciting and interesting? And if you have to embarrass yourself a little bit to get that point across, it was okay to do that. There's so many stories that you can teach your heart Mm -hmm. through a story better. Right. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe that's the biggest part of the message, right, is... I think it's really easy as a parent, and this is probably a conversation that transcends just talking about them as young children, and it carries through middle school and high school and even into adulthood. I think it's really easy to get consumed with the things that get measured in the world. It's academic performance that leads to the right college acceptance, that leads to the right job opportunity, and to be so obsessed Mm -hmm. with those things Mm -hmm. and have them filled my child's resume so that they'll get into college or they do the right sports and have they had all of the right experiences. And we try to perfect that for them. I do think there's value in a lot of those experiences. So I don't want to degrade the time that you spend helping kids fulfill their potential in those areas. Because there's, I mean, we we encourage our kids in all of those things Mm -hmm. to do their very best and to be their very best. But if I have to trade academic performance or I have to trade uh, athletic performance or being the lead in the school play or whatever that might look like for an opportunity to invest in what I believe is the condition of their heart. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I think I would trade all of those things. Sure. I think that's awesome, though. I think that's super helpful 
for folks that are in that season where they're either in homeschooling and just Struggling. hearing from someone else that's now ahead of them in their thought process. Mm-hmm. So I think that's great just sharing that. Okay, so I wanted to share one other thing that I think laid a foundation of trust in our home because that's what you want as teenagers. You want to trust your teenagers. Right. Right? Right. And so you have <laughs> for to, them to trust you. Right. So you have to start that way on back. Yeah. Which you don't realize when they're teenagers, you should have done that back when. Absolutely. Okay, so here is a, a great thing that looking back, I, I see this foundation of trust for our girls is um, Randy would every night, this is outside of reading by the fire, okay? <laughs> he would tuck them in individually. So three, it took a good amount of time. Mm-hmm. Well, I would usually take the baby and get the baby down. Right. And but then, there, were, there were certain but there seasons was where it, she was, wasn't a baby. it was two hours. Yeah. Mm. But he would lay in bed with them. He would read whatever book mm. they were interested in. And then talk to them. And really, it was just listen, because it's girls, and you just listen. They just talk a lot, yeah. They do. And then they had this secret handshake, and every child had a different <laughs> one. Awesome. And That's Randy knew so them all. cute. Right? And it was brilliant, because they began to trust in the Father. Hmm. They began to rest in the Father. They began to share their hearts to the Father. And it's just a beautiful prophetic picture of what we want their relation to be with Jesus. Mm-hmm. We want you to rest with Jesus. We want you to share with Jesus and trust Him. Oh, and so moving, taking that as an elementary, maybe sixth grade, and then, but he still did that even until they're 12, 13 maybe? Oh, at least. That's um, awesome. You know, 13 gets awkward laying down <laughs> But they still wanted the handshake they all knew at their wedding. Oh, wow. So That's awesome. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. Um, a piece of advice that we received when our kids were young. Somebody said to me one day, they said, your children's view of their heavenly father is directly influenced by their view of their earthly father. Mm-hmm. So I started thinking about the burden of responsibility that says, well... My goodness, if I'm painting a picture for them of their heavenly father and I don't do a good job of painting a picture for them of their earthly father, if I give in to my fatigue and frustration and the anxieties I felt in business or the frustrations that Krista and I had with each other or just pick something. There's a thousand things that take you away from being in your best place. And there were many, many nights that I sat down to read with them and my heart was filled with anxiety and frustration and stress about all these things that I can't talk to them about because they're not ready for those burdens as children. But if I, if that's what I bring into that relationship right there, what they see is they see a God that is, um, that is powerless, that is afraid, that is dominated by the, the, the cares of the world. Mm-hmm. And you start thinking, yes, I, it doesn't matter how I feel, right? I may have this huge obligation that I'm walking in there every day and not by these few special words that I say, but by this just kind of constant drip, I am setting a tone for them that they're either going to look at their heavenly father and see that he's safe mm-hmm. and that he's secure and that he's steady and that he's always present. And if I don't do that, I might cause them later in their life to look at their heavenly father and think, yeah, wow. I need him. Right. You know, that felt like a big burden of responsibility. Absolutely. And I think it drove me to say, mm-hmm. I'm tired. I'm frustrated. I'm, you know, I had business, I had a business that failed when my kids were young and I was hugely distracted emotionally and yeah. mentally at the time. But I always thought, man, don't blow this. Mm-hmm. 
And, and maybe that's too much burden and too much weight to put on it to say that that's the way it works. But for me, it was a really good sort of litmus test. Good thing for me to hold on to and sort of keep top of mind. Yeah. In a way and I isn't it always it. cool how that happens that you're, you know, kids don't have a, they don't know really always what's going on, especially right. when they're little. Right. But isn't it always work, for me at least, I'm coming in with like, and the last thing I want to do is lay in the bed. I'm right. tired and I just want to get in the, the shut your light off. <clears throat> but it changes you. You know what I mean? As a parent, yeah. and you walk out of that room so thankful because your heart got still mm-hmm. and you had time to just resonate yeah. with where, like, it's that childlike thing. Like, sometimes we just have to, like, quit growing up. <laughs> Don't act like a grown up, but act more like a kid because they it settles us. So I love hearing that because I've seen that, especially at night. Night is always the time where we're all stretched, and yet their kids are always like, Mom, come in and hang out. Right. Come and hang out. Even the boys, it's different now for us because I don't lay in the bed with them, but we all hang out. Like, for some reason, at 10 o'clock, they all come back downstairs and we'll watch, like, a show from 10 to 10.30, and it's just our time to be on the couch, and I really, really want to go to bed, but I wouldn't miss it because that's the time they start telling me about their day. So true. And it changes me to go, and I forget about my anxiety once I start being present with yes. them. So I think it's a powerful point. I, love I appreciate that. Jan. I appreciate you saying that because that it was therapy. I yeah. mean, there was a season of my life where I kind of needed some therapy. Yeah. You know, one of the things I'm very transparent about with a lot of other people was I've, I've suffered from severe depression and anxiety mm-hmm. disorders. And, and it was a huge component of dealing with a business failure and all of the economic stresses and the mm-hmm. social stresses that go along with that. And, uh, it was an extraordinarily therapeutic to, to sit down with children, but also to remind me that it just, it's not always about me. Right. And that when you pour yourself out on behalf of another person, whether that's me pouring myself out on behalf of Krista or the kids, um, I think there's this feeling like I'm being drained and they're sucking the life out of me as opposed to recognizing that I pour myself out, but somehow I get filled up at the same time. Right. And it's not, there's no calculus for that. Right. But but you have to just sort of trust that process that, yeah. that there's something bigger going on. And I think there's a lot of gratitude now um, and a lot of sanity because of that that maybe wouldn't have been there. Yeah. You guys um, you just talked a little bit about some foundations that, that you guys kind of started off early, which I think is really awesome for some folks. I mean, I'm sitting here wishing I had done some of those things with Rena. You know, but I know there's also folks that are listening that they're at that age. And so I think that's awesome. You guys shared those. Now that the girls are at the age age they're at, take us back as well now to, you know, pre-middle school. I know Jan's really curious about this. I'm so ready to hear all this. Puberty. (laughs) Boys. Yeah. Walk us through. Let's not get the boys yet. Let's Let's, do drama. Girl drama. Let's talk puberty and drama entering into those (laughs) middle school years. What can we learn from you guys and your experience going through it? What did you learn oh, in that experience going from, you know, you had Brooke, and so you learned some things from Brooke and applied to Brittany and then a Brittany to Bridget, and so... I will say that every child's puberty experience is different. Okay. Okay. Right. So we didn't have a huge issue with Brooke, mm-hmm. but remember, she's firstborn, right. driven, you know... There's not a lot of drama. It's all related to their really personality. There's not a lot of drama in Brooke. Yeah. That's not her personality. Okay. So Brittany rolls yep. around. 
she's the free lover, right? Yeah. Just leads from her heart. And you're expecting another brook. I'm expecting a brook. Like just clowning. Right. We treated her like a broken version of brook. Hmm. Yes. As opposed to her own person I for a long time. I would look wow. at Randy like, what's happening here? Well, fortunately, I had married. Brittany. A girl, a lot like Brittany. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, I recognize this yeah. diagnosis. You know, I kinda, yeah. But I appreciate it. I value that. So I had more of a, uh, a sensitive heart towards the emotionalism and the drama and the, you know, leading with passion and stuff like that mm-hmm. um, yeah. because of that. Here's the thing with, um, because I teach middle school, so I'm in it. Mm-hmm. Which is amazing. Which I love. Oh, my goodness. God I'm bless so you. drawn I know. to 12 and 13-year-olds. I just love them. And it's probably one of their hardest times of life. Mm-hmm. It is. Everyone so much acceptance and change oh. going on. Okay, so here it is for the girl. I can't tell you for the boy, mm-hmm. right? Right. But <clears throat> if you have a girl that is a slow, mature, is that the right term? Slow, mature? Slow, mature. Developed late. Different, right? <laughs> Which we had, okay? <laughs> They're going to not look like the other girls, okay? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've recognized, I don't know if Rena's this way, but... Some middle school girls look like they're 16. Right. And some middle school girls look like they're 10. Right. And we had the 10. Hmm. And so this... Some insecurity. Yeah. It it starts with insecurity. Mm -hmm. And then that comes out in your family. Well, and then the middle schoolers make everything Everything. present. Like, they'll pull it out of you. Like, oh, look at you. Why do you look different than me? Yeah, there's nothing quite as ruthless as a middle schooler. No question. So you're dealing with a hot mess. Of insecurity. Mm-hmm. That's why this relationship with the dad is so important because if it's not there, I can tell her she's beautiful every day, 10 times a day. But Randy says, Wow, Bridget or Brittany or Brooke, you know, I love that shirt on you. Best day That's ever. It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Because they're made that way. Right. Right? And um, so that those three years, I would say 11 to 13 or 12 to 14, really, mm-hmm. is one of the most insecure times. A lot of friend drama, a lot of girl clicks happen where she's not in it or she is yeah. in it and she's hurting other people or she's not. It's just a mess. Yeah. Yeah. But I have to say, I was really appreciative that Krista helped me to recognize the importance of that. I grew up in a home, I was in the middle of three boys. And you so know, our version of affection was yeah. you punch somebody. And you know, <laughs> you know, it was it was like, you know, you don't suck. And that was as close to the problem as you could get in our house growing up with a bunch of boys. And um, I probably by instinct and maybe I was just uncomfortable with being expressive, uh, didn't do a very good job in first of of really showing sort of that tender side hmm. to the kids and being very vulnerable about that. And I felt, I mean, even as an adult, you don't want to admit that you feel awkward sometimes behaving towards your children. But, you know, I had insecurity about that. It just didn't feel natural for me. Uh, and she really helped me to recognize that they had a, um, they had a strong desire to be affirmed and to feel that way. And so uh, it helped me be more conscious to walk into every interaction and, to find something to affirm. And I didn't always want it to be about, you know, uh, it looks like looks. a physical attribute. Right, physical thing, right. Right. But sometimes it's to say, Hey, I just love how sweet you are towards your sister when these yes. things happen. And, um, or, uh, you know, I love your, your, your sense of style, you know, you've got your, and you're trying these things on and kind they of trying to find out their own identity. Right, yeah. right. Sometimes they show up with stuff and you're like, 
you're going outside. Wow. In front of people like that. <laughs> right. That's a choice. Yeah. And, uh, and, but do you know, do you, do you crush their spirit or do you say, Hey, you know what? I love how inventive you are and how creative you uh-huh. are finding these things. And I will say, and I was a little bit late to the lesson on this, but this is maybe if, if you said to me, what's the most important thing that we can share tonight with the people that are listening to your podcast this might be it from, from my point of view. And this is something that Krista said to me. She said, you need to speak the truth of their identity over them over and over and over again. Hmm. And maybe intellectually I got that, but, but practically it took me a while to understand that when you, when you're, when your child's frustrated and they're a middle schooler and they're, they're, they're hormonal and there's just a ton going on and they feel insecure and they can't express it to you well. And they're not doing things that you want. They're not helping him cleaning the kitchen and helping mom cook dinner. And you know, they're not Mm -hmm. helping me with things that I'm asking them to do. And that, you know, they're just trying to figure out who they are. It's really easy to keep the focus in those moments on what's not happening. It's all the exception. Mm-hmm. Management, you know, you're not this, you're not this, you're not this. All that here is condemnation. And I think what Krista was was helping me understand. She said, "You need to speak the truth of who they are over them, and to say, you know what? I love that you are a wonderful encourager. I love that you are a helper to your friends. I love that you're the person that, when there's injustice, hmm. you mm-hmm. step up to the injustice. I love that." You are the one when everybody else is not paying attention to the details, you jump in and you make sure things get done. I love that you're the one who will give a hug when everybody else forgets to do it. Mm -hmm. I love that you're the one that will come and sit with me and you know I'm having a bad day and you don't really demand anything of me, but you just sit by me. And I think when you speak that over your children, you give them an opportunity to live up to who they really are and who their true spiritual identity is. Yeah. And that, for me, was probably a lot more powerful to help them learn how to mature than worrying about their behavior. Because I think they suddenly wanted to be the person that you declared them to be. And the truth is, is that I didn't have to make those things up. I just had to look. Right. But it's still intentional because oftentimes I think we're right in the middle school years and just starting to head into high school. And so there's so much correction and criticism that's natural to see first. And so really trying for us right now is that's necessary, obviously, is to redirect. But that power of our positive words has to be really intentional. Mm -hmm. Because I had someone that shared that with me is when you're entering into middle schoolers, they are going to hear the criticism. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But how are you going to make them feel validated? And so what I hear you saying is that, is that I I want to be better at that because there's days where it's just so easy to go, well, you forgot this again, or you're, oh my gosh. And you almost label your kids negatively because of Mm -hmm. their performance versus really what's the kind of person they are. I wouldn't even go so far as to say, I think there are a lot of problems that we never ended up having to correct. We saw a problem and there was part of me that, you know, a problem solver by nature. I wanted to jump in and say, Mm -hmm. hey, you know, this is crazy. You need to stop this or or whatever. But, but then, and again, I'm going to credit Krista for all this because she really challenged me as a father to do this. The outcome of all this is I found myself spending a lot less time in that conversation. Yeah. And I saw them on their own starting to own responsibility for being more sensitive to others, for being less dramatic, for 
learning to self-manage and self-regulate their own emotional response to things because that's the hardest part of a middle schooler's life is, you know, I'm I'm falling apart and I don't know what to do with all these intense emotions that I suddenly have that I never really felt before. And I think it creates a safety as a parent, right, that that I'm not my job is not to fix you so that I so that you don't embarrass me. Right. 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 I mean, you're not living out my identity in the world. People aren't saying, well, your kid did this and something that becomes this condemnation to me. Mm-hmm. It's not about my insecurity. And I think when your kids realize that you're willing to love them as they are, but you also see the best in who they are, you become a really safe place for them. Yeah. And you want to talk about what happens when you're a teenager and then when you become a young adult, I think if they feel that you're a safe place, then they're, they they're going to always return to that. Yeah. Such a good word. Such that's a, for me as a dad, and with Rena coming into those ages, such a, a thing that I need to hear, so I can, I can course correct and be that intentional. So as we wrap up, we're getting kind of close to the end here of this podcast. We've heard a little bit more from Randy on the dad of that. So Krista, speak to the mom side. I was just listening to Randy, and it was such. It was good to go back to listen to him. And I just felt the Lord say, Krista, what were you doing? Because he kept saying, Krista told me to do this, or Krista reminded me. And y'all need to know, Krista's not like, <laughs> whatever he's painting me to be, which was beautiful. I appreciate that, man. That's what I remember. Yes. But y'all need to know that Krista was broken face down before the Father. Hmm. And I was coming to terms with a lot of my own history mm-hmm. in front of my face. When you start parenting teenagers, you start looking back at your teenage life. So true. Right? Yes, absolutely. It'll, it starts hitting you around 11, 12. You're like, crud, I was that way. Yeah. Right? And so the Lord started really peeling stuff up off of me yeah. that I would see in my girls. And so um, I was face down in the closet seeking repentance, mm-hmm. forgiveness. Father, I used to do that. I used to speak that. I used to think that. Oh, Lord, do not let the sins of the mother pass down to the children. Hmm. And I would just weep over them. And, um, but God is so gracious, and he forgave me like he always does. And he's, so, he's never condemning, and he was just loving over me. And so I remember with Brittany, because remember, she was thing two. So I was like, right? And yeah, this one was not like this the one was other. Not like and I remember asking the Lord... After he broke me, not he broke me, but you know, after that, we had a great relationship. And I said, Lord, how do you see Brittany? Hmm. That's right. Great question. OMG. Wow. Okay. So that's where, when I went to Rain's, like, you need to, you need to speak what's good about her because God just taught me what he saw in Brittany. How do you see Brittany? Because father, I see her strong willed right, and not willing to take a, a command from me. Yeah. There was always, but mom, but mom. And it was just so difficult. Yeah. And Jesus says to me that day in the closet, Krista, I made her strong will to do my will. Hmm. And you keep trying to break that will. Okay, Father. That's so good. Will you forgive me? Yeah. Because I've been mad at Brittany because she's so strong-willed. Yeah. Right? We are sure we're in the family that came from. (laughs) Right. And so when the Lord broke me of my strong will, okay, to be strong willed. Because you did say that she is very much like you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's hard to parent yourself. (laughs) So then when you when I made that change with the Lord, now walking through life with the girls, it was face first um, with the Father. Jesus, how do you see them right now? 
And literally, he would tell me things that were going on in their lives that they did not tell me about. Mm-hmm. And we'll get to that when we get to teenage life. Yeah. But he told me a specific thing. And I went to them at the right time. And I said, hey, how's your heart? Is there anything going on? You know? And then I said, are you hiding anything from me? Hmm. And it just broke. Because hmm. the Lord already told me what they were hiding from me. Yeah. Right? Now I don't tell them. And they know that now. Like, they're not going to be like, oh, mom, you know. <laughs> um, but the, if moms and dads are face down before the father, because it's his kids. He's just <laughs> loaned them to me. Mm-hmm. And if he could tell me what's, how he wants them parented and what is needed for this day for them, yeah. then it's going to go great. That's and good. it broke that child. When I came to her and said, are you hiding something from me? And it came out, and now she's free. Because, wow. see, that used to be her divide, her vice, I think mm-hmm. I should say. Um, and that happened with almost every child. God gave you something along the way. You need to ask her about that. But to learn the picture of that, right, to learn the picture with a parent in whom your desire is to earn their approval, that you can expose the rawest parts of yourself right. and that there's grace not condemnation, not correction, but grace in that moment. What pictures does that paint for them to think about their own relationship to God mm-hmm. because yeah. of that? Yeah. Andy Stanley said uh, years ago, and it really resonated with me. He said, you, will, um, you teach your children to live under your authority so that someday they know how to live under God's authority. And I just thought that was just so, so yeah. amazingly profound um, to think about I need to be a just authority. I need to be a fair authority and a kind authority. I need to be a godly authority because I'm painting a picture for them for eternity mm-hmm. about how they're going to view their heavenly father. And, uh, and I think even with Krista saying, Hey, y- y- you don't do that in your own strength. You do that by being on your knees and being humble before God, just saying, hey, talk to me and tell me what it is. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. There were so many times I'm not saying this. I'm not bragging about this that the girls would walk into my bedroom and I'm face down. Mm-hmm. And if they remember anything about me, I hope they remember that when times got tough, where was mom? Yeah. Even this day they know where they can find me. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, I, yeah. I wish I'd had that. Yeah. yeah. I think my whole first 15 years of marriage might have been a little bit different yeah. if I knew. How? Well, we kind of grow up when, as we're raising our kids, we do, don't if we? we're honest. Yeah. yeah and I think point. that's something for people to know is that parenting, we were even saying it on the way here, is parenting is just hard and that you just need to accept that. And we just heard a talk about how, how does embracing, the, embracing mess. the mess. Right. I think we live in a culture where everything is supposed to be perfect. Right. I've got the perfect house and I've got the perfect nursery and everybody's dressed great and everyone smiles at the right time in the picture. And so that's so not real because we're all a mess one way, shape or another. Not that doesn't mean we have to be highly dysfunctional, but I think as parents, we need to understand we are entering complexity because everyone's different. Mm -hmm. And even though they're our children, right? They all are still, there's a little bit of Chris, there's a little bit of me, and we're both flawed. So that doesn't, mm-hmm. that means we've produced flawed, crazy, passionate children. Mm-hmm. And that's why we all need God <laughs> because know. it humbles you and we're changing along. I, I am so, it is like total therapy for me as we're going through middle school. Cause like you said, I am 
literally having flashbacks of how I was and how I don't want them to be what I was or experiencing how I was parented or so many different variables that come into play. So it's just a crazy evolution. Mm-hmm. But I, th- I think the heart of that gets into what I think high school and, and into college and adulthood is like, is that there's a story that we buy in our culture, our life, that has to do with, if I parent well, I avoid the mess. Yep. Right. And I would argue quite the opposite. I, I think agree. the mess is the reason. That's right. The mess is part of the purpose. It's part of the beauty of it. I mean, it's James 1, right? Mm-hmm. Consider it pure joy when you encounter various trials. And, and we need our children to encounter various trials because the point is not to perfect their resume. It's to perfect their heart. Right. And to teach them, too, there's trials. There's change. There's mess. And so how do we navigate through it? So I think yeah. that's so good. You guys have dropped some um, some serious gold <laughs> so far with uh, with this puberty and, and uh, middle school years. Definitely a couple really big things I know personally we can take away. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of folks listening are going to be able to take away. So thanks for that. Um, that's going to wrap this episode, but we've got another episode coming. We're going to get into what uh, Randy just alluded to, these uh, the high school years and even into the college years. So we're going to get into that next. Wow, that was so great. I just so thoroughly enjoyed sitting down with those guys. And I hope that you guys got as much out of it as we did. Some of my top three things. Okay, I'm going to ask you too, Chris, to start thinking on it. My greatest one was just really going to God and saying, how do you see each of our kids? And getting that perspective, because I think we get tainted for me, you know, when we get stuck in the, the rut of every day, we get a little bit on our grind. So that's going to be helpful for me to just get on my face. My second one was parenting out of insecurity. I think I agree with Krista where I am walking through my past as they're walking through their current. And so I want to be more confident and that's obviously going to change going to God. And then lastly is oftentimes, as you all know, we all parent probably more critical than we do affirming because it's easy to see where we want our kids to change. And so for me, I really love the idea of becoming much more intentional about being affirming. Hmm. What am I seeing that my kids are doing great? Because they really are awesome individuals and, and trying to find, okay, for every criticism, am I giving them three more words of affirmation? Yeah. So what, yeah. what are yours? Yeah, dads out there that are listening, obviously there was so much good stuff that, that Randy and Krista shared. My three, if I'm going to summarize and say, okay, these are the three biggest nuggets to come from this. For me personally, this whole idea, because I'm very, um, I'm very driven, success-driven, um, this idea of heart versus academics at the heart's more important, um, that was a, just a great nugget for me. And then also just the importance and, and, and intentionality that, that Randy put uh, into just the little things with the girls of, you know, reading in an English accent, secret handshakes, just that super intentional time, which he was just building trust and building trust and building that relationship. I thought was just a great reminder for me to think through what are those things with my kids that I'm building from a, a tradition and memories uh, and moments perspective. And then the last thing, and Jan talked a little bit about this with the affirmation, but it's just this idea of speaking the truth mm-hmm. of their identity over them over and over and over. I, I don't do that enough. And I want 
to do that because I want them to know who they are, who God created them to, to be, yeah. and what are those great things that God created them uh to be That's and who right. to be. So those are those are my top nuggets. You guys, there were so many good things. Um, we're going to sit down with them again in a couple weeks, and we're going to talk about dating and puberty. Yeah, and, you won't want to miss that. I mean, um, we talked about puberty in this one, dating and launching and, uh, and getting into that college years, and so shifting the responsibility. So we're going to get into that. Hey, if you guys uh, haven't already, please subscribe on iTunes or wherever it is that you're uh, listening to this podcast. And please go out and rate and review. That helps others to find us and hear uh, some of this great stuff that we're all learning uh, together uh, about parenting. So please go out and do that. And then also go out to our Facebook page, like us and follow along. We post uh, from time to time and also look for opportunities to hear from you guys about new questions we can ask and things of that sort. So thank you guys for listening. And we will be with you guys again in the next couple weeks with the second episode with Randy and Krista Walton. We'll see you. Bye-bye.